Hi everyone. I just have a couple of announcements before we get started. First, the Chattanooga Civics website is now live at chattanoogacivics.com. I've compiled links to all the candidate websites in one place, and I'll be updating it regularly with links to the interviews. I also have links to some more general information like how to find which council district you're in. If there's any other information you think would be helpful for me to include, please don't hesitate to reach out. Second, my wife Katie has graciously agreed to host the new Chattanooga Civics Instagram page, so you can now follow us there, at ChatCivics, that's chat with two T's. Lastly, this podcast is mainly a labor of love. It's a public service in the hopes that I can make Chattanooga a stronger, more engaged community. But it does come with expenses. I've spent about $150 on some bare-bones recording equipment, and I would really like to upgrade that if the podcast keeps growing. So if you can spare even just a few dollars, I'd really appreciate it. I would like to thank Brandon for being my first and only donor so far. You're great. I'm currently set up on PayPal, but if another app works better for you, I'm happy to set it up. Just shoot me an email. And if you can't donate, I completely understand. Times are tough right now. But if you can share this show with your friends and get more Chattanoogans educated about local politics, that would be amazing. And, if you're part of a local business that would like to sponsor the show, I would love to hear from you. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. This is Chattanooga Civics. I'm Nathan Bird. On March 2nd, the city of Chattanooga will hold elections for city council and mayor. I recently sat down with Leanne Jones to discuss her campaign for city council, District 5. I'm here with Leanne Jones. She is running for city council for District 5 in the city of Chattanooga. And Leanne, I would just like you to take a second to introduce yourself, tell the city who you are and what you're about. Yeah. Um, first, Nathan, I want to thank you so very much for um, reaching out to me and giving me the opportunity to just come and sit down and talk with you about um, my run for city council and just talk about issues that are that plague our city and plague our nation um so i'm very grateful and appreciative for the invitation um but like he stated my name is leanne jones i am 30 years of age i have lived in the city of chattanooga my entire life give or take three years when i went to college but outside of that i have forever been a um, resident of Chattanooga and I have forever been a resident of District 5. Um, I am a very, very, um, I am very involved with the community and majority of that has been through my church. Um, and one of the reasons why I typically like to say that is because people sometimes have an issue with churches who don't who don't do anything for the community and so it's very important for us as believers to if we say we love god if we say we follow christ then we should make sure we're doing what we're supposed to and what he's commissioned us to do mm -hmm. uh, so but overall I'm a, I'm a people person i love advocating for the small person um i am a very outspoken, very opinionated individual. And sometimes that can, uh, <laughs> that can, you know, sometimes get me in trouble, but I have made sure to uh, make sure I pay attention to how I say things and mm -hmm. um, the way that I say and what I say um, to individuals that I have conversations with. Um, I make sure in everything that I do, that I do it with integrity. Um, I am an individual who loves love. I love to love people. Love is great. Love is um, what we need in order to make this thing called life go round. So in a nutshell, that's just kind of who I am. 
Great, thank you. Uh, and I'm, I'm just wondering, is this your first time getting involved in local politics, running for office, all of that? It is. Um, I have always been interested in politics. Mm -hmm. um, I have always, you know, paid attention to um, national elections, local elections, um, more so not as much the presidential elections, even though they are important. Um, I make sure I pay attention and learn how that process goes, but learning how state and local politics operate is um, one thing that I have made sure, you know, I've, I've learned a lot about over the past 10 years. Um, my father is very well into politics. He loves the whole world of politics. Um, if he was about 20, 25 years younger, I'm pretty sure he would be running for some office. Uh, <laughs> that's just how much he loves politics. But this is my first time running. Um, I have never been in the political field before. So there are a lot of things that I am learning. Um, the process is one difficult process. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult, but um, I'm taking it one day at a time. Mm -hmm. Very good. I mean, I understand that perfectly. I'm having enough time, hard enough time understanding it in order to explain it, not, you know, much less trying to run. So yeah. I understand it's, it's a crazy process. Uh, I was wondering if you could just briefly kind of describe your, uh, your district and what are the issues you see that you're trying to run on in this district and not just the issues, but strengths that this district has that you might be able to, to further strengthen. Yeah. Um, so district five, one thing about my district is this district is um, not just catered to one particular group of people. There are many different people in regards to ethnicity and age that live in this district. Um, we do have in this district majority baby boomers that live in the district, but outside of that, all the other age groups, there is about a, a really a good equal amount of mm -hmm. those individuals that live in this district. So we see everything from elders living, living in the district as well as millennials and then even some Gen Xers. And so um, learning how to work on the behalf of all of these age groups and all of these different people from different backgrounds is one thing that I have made sure I pay attention to because I don't want anyone to feel as though they're, they're being left out. We most certainly don't want to leave out the Gen Xers because some of them may not be old enough to vote, but they are still a part of this process. Um, one, some of the things in our district in regards to strengths is we have very, very strong neighborhood associations. Mm -hmm. um, and that is something that I absolutely love because when dealing with our neighborhoods in the small realm, um, it, it takes a village. So everybody coming together, working together for one cause is something that is um, a strength in this district. And I want to build on that uh, the best way possible because even though you know, we have our neighborhood associations and everyone is communicating with everyone. There's still a disconnect between the neighborhood associations and actual city, city government, the city of Chattanooga government. Right, right. And so I feel like for me, the way that I would build on that is making sure that I create some sort of, um, I wouldn't say platform because there are a lot of social media platforms available to be utilized. Yeah. However, I believe I want to do what I can to bridge the gap in between the city of Chattanooga government and our district. Um, we have people who want to come to city council meetings, but unfortunately they may not have transportation or they may not be aware of when, you know, city council meetings are held or where they're held, but due to the pandemic, it's been all virtual. 
But even before then, people would still have a problem and say, well, I don't know where to go or I don't know what to expect. And so for me, it's all about making sure uh, each individual understands what goes on in a city council meeting, Mm -hmm. as well as making sure they understand in layman's terms exactly what um, what the city council is responsible for. Right. That is one of the things that I make, I want to make sure that I work on is building that bridge and closing that gap in between the city of Chattanooga government and our district. Right. And so, um, but the platforms that I'm actually running on are uh, making sure that I protect the safety of all of my residents here in district five, ensuring that their voices are heard. And I know a lot of politicians say that, but seeing as how I'm not your typical politician, I understand what it's like to be a constituent and not feel and feel as though I'm not being heard by mm-hmm. my representative. And so because I understand that, I want to make sure I do my best to work hard so that way each um, each and every resident can sincerely feel as though they have been heard. And, and then um, the other part of my platform is protecting the holistic well-being of my constituents and that means making sure all of the residents have access to things that can help them grow physically uh, emotionally financially mentally and spiritually we want to make sure we cater to the whole individual and not just one particular aspect of an individual because every person has something different every everybody is different And so we want to do our best to make sure we're helping um, the residents and constituents here in District 5 and in Chattanooga all together, um, making sure that they are living the best life that that they can. And and mentioning Chattanooga all together, if you could kind of do a quick breakdown of kind of the same back and forth of what do you see as the main strengths and weaknesses of the city as a whole and how can we capitalize on those strengths and how can we shore up those weaknesses? Because as a city councilwoman, as we were talking about before we start recording, you know, the city council doesn't just speak for each individual district. You're going to be making laws for the whole city. So, so what do you see as the strengths and weaknesses of the, of the city as a whole? Well, for the city, the one of, one of these strengths that the city has is the, over the past 10 years, the way that this city has become a small business city. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the nickname that people give this city is Gig City. And so um, I believe that's a strength in part. And I say that because even though there are opportunities for small businesses here in the city, each and every each and every individual does not have that same um, opportunity to even start a small business. Right. Even though that's that I feel like that is a strength here in the city. It's also at the same time can be a weakness because every person that's in the city of Chattanooga does not have the same opportunity to start the small business here in the city. So um, a way we can capitalize on that is for one equipping um, our, our students at an early age mm-hmm. and teaching them the importance of making sure they're educated, not just with what they're teaching us in the school system, but educating them on financial literacy, educating them on business and all that good stuff. Even if they don't want to be an entrepreneur, well, let's educate them on, on a trade. Let's teach them how to Uh, find a trade that, you know, can make them money because now we see uh, trades are coming back and they're coming back quick. Um, People have, um, I know years ago, there were a couple of high schools here in the city that actually had classes in the high school that would teach high school students a trade, whether it be cosmetology or mechanics or cooking. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then they just took it out of the school system. And so now we see there's like a disconnect. If, if a child graduates high school, they don't want to go to college, what do they end up doing? They end up working a minimum wage job and, you know, they, they get into this funnel and then they're stuck. And so as a city, I believe we have a responsibility in making sure that we 
give these or present these opportunities to everyone in the city. Great. Uh, and, and what kind of mechanism do you see to, to kind of link people up with these opportunities? Um, just the, the main reason I'm asking is that uh, in terms of the school system, that's, that's Hamilton County that controls that. So you're thinking after school activities or summer camps or what's, what's the mechanism that you're thinking about using to, to further these opportunities? Yeah. And I wouldn't even say after school activities, um, even though that's, that's um, something that we most certainly can mm -hmm. utilize or look into, but that shouldn't just be the only option. Right. You know, we need to incorporate that into the actual school day. Um, because sometimes when children uh, get out of school, they may have to go work another job or they may mm -hmm. have to go home and babysit their siblings because mm -hmm. their parents are working two and three jobs because they're not making enough money. Um, so either whether it be during the school day or after school, making sure that these um, trade that they're teaching trades in school to our children. Mm -hmm. um, that model could very well look like, you know, if we, let's just use Brainerd High School, for example, if we bring, um, if we bring, why can't I think of it? It just, I just had it and it slipped my mind. Um, if we bring wood shop or if we bring um, welding to mm -hmm. Brainerd High School, and they take it up starting in the 10th grade, they should be able for the 10th and 11th grade learning how to operate in that particular trade, learning the ins and outs, learning how to build, and come senior year, they then should be able to be a part of an apprenticeship mm -hmm. at a, at a um, business that's already in business and get right. paid for doing that based upon the two years of experience that they've had prior. Because one thing that, I've noticed um, when you know you graduate high school or you graduate college and you start applying for jobs and they ask you for experience, well, how can I have experience in a field <laughs> I just graduated? Right. And you Trying know, to find an entry level position and they want two years experience. And you're like, how, 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 does that, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> and it's an entry level position. Like when I'm coming into something, you should just be teaching me, right? Right. Yeah. So, that kind of kills two birds with one stone that prepares that individual um, how to work and operate in that field of that trade. And then it gives them the necessary experience when it's time for them to either work for someone or possibly start their own business. Mm -hmm. So um, it's models like that, you know, details can come later on down the line because the, the, um, the way that things work, you want to make sure you, you don't um, miss anything. Mm -hmm. So details, I'm, I'm very I'm adamant about making sure we pay attention to details and making sure everything from A to Z is taken care of. But that's just the basis of what a model could look like in regards to implementing that into our schools. Right. And because, it, it, because our school system is run or is funded by the county uh, the city has very little to um, do in re or very little to have control over in regards right. to the right. school system because it's based out of the county now years ago it we were the city of chattanooga did have mm -hmm. full um, funding over the school system but then they switched it to the county and even for me i would not even be opposed to switching it back to the city right because um when we see how important the city of chattanooga is we want to make sure that we are very hands-on in educating our students and so if we don't have a, a say in that then you know, what can we do about it? Right. Yeah. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the budget. Um, and, and the budget is, is led by the mayor. The mayor starts that process and controls kind of the whole process and then presents a budget yeah. to the city council. And in its current form, this process takes more than six months of preparation. I think they just started uh, in November. They started having public meetings for a budget that's going to be presented to the council in June. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's a very long process and historically 
it seems that the city council has been very reluctant to make any changes to this budget because, I mean, it, it makes sense in a way because it has so much effort put behind it and it's taken so long to prepare. The city council has really taken more of a hands-off approach and usually just acts as a rubber stamp. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I'm wondering is, is do you think the city council should exercise more authority over the budget or defer to the process in place and, and kind of what's your stance on that and, and how can, you know, potential voters expect you to vote on, on budgets? Oh, absolutely. City council um, should, you know, take advantage of utilizing their powers in regards to adjusting and amending or changing anything in the budget because um, once the city of Chattanooga elects us to work on their behalf, we seriously should be working on their behalf, you know, because whomever the mayor may be, they may have one agenda or one idea in mind. And if we get the budget and we review it and we don't change anything, then are, what are we showing to our constituents? Maybe right. something on in the budget is not best for District 5, but it, um, it solely benefits District 8, right? Um, we should be able to come to the table and say, okay, how can we change this? What can we do to make sure each district is getting the necessary resources and things um, to make sure that everything flows smoothly? especially in regards to um, um, in regards to funding for a lot of different organizations and even a lot of um, not a lot of but even public safety right. we want to make sure we take time and review that and if that means we have to send back five or six amendments then we have to send back five or six amendments right because we don't want to um, waste money mm -hmm. and we don't want to um, not utilize the money in the best way possible so do I believe City Council should um, should do more in regards to being involved with the budget absolutely and as well as making sure um, we open up the, the process to the community to our to our district to our rep to our respective districts right people to know exactly what's going on in this budget. We want people to know what their tax dollars are paying for, mm -hmm. you know, and I think, and this is just a personal opinion of mine, I could be wrong, but it's just how I feel. Um, I believe maybe city council, you know, refuses to amend or change anything in the budget just to keep flack from the community down, you know, so they won't Right. It definitely does open you up to a lot more right. you know, drama from the press or from the voters or whatever. If you put your head out there and say, this is what I believe and this is what I want to do with the budget, you're definitely opening yourself up. It and, does. Yeah. And I'm, it, once, you, once you take the oath to say, I'm going to serve and protect my city, then sometimes you have to face the fire, you know, right. uh, especially when when it is in regards to things that could help better our city. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not opposed to that at all. I'm all about being open and honest with the people who I would be representing. I'm all about um, making sure I understand what it is that they're needing and they understand what I can and cannot do. Right. So um, it's just a matter of making sure everyone communicates with each other. Um, I know for a fact for me, um, if and when I do win the um, District 5 seat, I am um, certain, and I've already started with the campaign, but I am certain to um, start an emailing list. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be weekly because I want everyone to, to be updated. I want everyone right. to exactly what's going on and for so long we've had council representative council persons that um just refuse to inform people and i feel like that that's not good right because the community needs to know what's going on so but yeah i i, I completely agree with that 
making sure council um, has a, a say in, in the budgeting process. And a minute ago, you brought up, you mentioned just briefly public safety, and I want to use that to kind of transition. Sure. Uh, I feel like most people in the past year, at least, most people's exposure to the budget was when we tried to pass this most recent budget. And there's, I believe, $70 million for the police department. Mm -hmm. And there were 200 something people who signed up to speak at the city council meeting. That was really when the, the budget took the public eye for the first time in, in a lot of people's minds. And, and I just want to know, there's, there's so many, there's so much conversation going on about policing and, you know, whether or not the police in their current form are really serving the public. And there's so many different suggestions about what to do from defunding to divestment and reinvestment, uh, you know, new training, new accountability. There's this whole gamut of different options. And I don't think you can make everybody happy. So I'm just wondering, what are, are your ideas? What plans do you have to address how, you know, the police force can make the whole community feel safe and truly serve and protect? What are, what are your plans for that? Um, well, you know, like you just stated, there is no way possible to make each and every individual happy or to give every single person exactly what they want. It's not possible. Even working the job or, you know, going to school, there is no way that you can make every single person, every single individual happy and give them everything that they want. Mm -hmm. um, however, I do believe that we have a responsibility to making sure we listen to what each individual wants or what they need. And we do our best to make those decisions that would best benefit them. Mm -hmm. um, now, in regards to policing uh, and public safety here in the city, uh, there are a lot of things that need to be changed. Uh, one of those things was actually on the ballot in November was mm -hmm. the Police Advisory and Review Committee. Um, I believe it's a wonderful idea, but it needs to be reformed already. And it was just, the amendment was just passed. A month, two months ago, to be exact, um, because that that doesn't give that committee the necessary tools they need to hold the police um, department accountable. Right, I'll, it's purely an advisory committee. It doesn't really have any teeth to it. That's it. It's it's a it's all bark and no bite, you know. Um, and I feel like, in, in my opinion it's honestly a waste of time looking at what it is now. I feel like they could have kept it, you know, instead mm -hmm. of giving it to us, they could have just kept that. But I appreciate the, the effort in doing something right. Right. Um, but that the police advisory and police advisory and review committee, <laughs> go back and look at it. We should be able to give this community, this committee, a little bit more power in regards to holding the police department accountable. Right. Okay. Because we can't necessarily always trust the internal affairs with the police department because we understand that police officers are out to protect each other. Get it. Maybe not all police officers think that way, or maybe not all police officers feel that way and that's fine. But um, we've seen more times than not, to where um, internal affairs, you know, they don't handle things correctly. And so we should have a backup plan and say, hey, we need to do something about this. Let's go back and look at it and let's see what we can do to make this right. Um, also in that regard, sitting down in regards to the budget in, in this portion, um, I feel like there are ways we can go back and look at the funds that are being uh, funneled to the police department and see how we can um, rebudget that. Not to necessarily defund the police because who would I call if I have a car wreck? Or who would I call if somebody broke into my house, right? We need our police officers. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't need the, the racist police officers or the the bigots police officers, because there are some. Um, 
but we do need to go back and look at it line by line and see where is money you know being wasted where is money being utilized to its maximum potential um, could we possibly take $20,000 from this portion and put it over here? Could we maybe take $35,000 from this portion of the police department and put it into a community pro program or something? Um, but there, I believe that there are alternate ways around making sure we're able to fund everything that needs to be funded here in the city with the amount of money that we have been approving for the budget over the past five years. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that's another thing. Um, I don't think people know that the budget is, um, is public information. You can go mm -hmm. to the, the Chattanooga website and find- Break it down line by line. Line you by line. The whole thing, yep. Absolutely. And so, because people don't know that, they feel as though, well, they're trying to hide something from me and I don't know what's going on. Right, right. Right. And so that's a part of our responsibility is making sure people know, hey, no, it's not hidden. Here it is for you to see. If you have any questions, print the budget off, put an mm -hmm. asterisk by it, come sit down, talk to me. We'll figure something out. Right. Um, so that's how I feel in, in that regard. Um, I, I love the police. Off I love I love police officers because I understand that they do a very hard job. I don't know what it's like to be a police officer, never have. So I wholeheartedly commend and respect officers for doing the job that they do. Mm -hmm. However, when an issue or a complaint comes up against you, we have a responsibility to make sure we hold you accountable to that. And also in regards to public safety is the fire department. Um, a couple weeks ago, I want to say it might have been right before Thanksgiving. Uh, they were talking about increasing the um, minimum pay, the minimum pay grade for for firefighters. And I cannot remember. I've slept since then, but I can't remember <laughs> if they proved it or not. But um, the amount of money firefighters make is almost still at minimum wage when they broke it down i think it's it comes out to be ten dollars and 76 cents an hour that sounds right mm -hmm. that firefighters would work um and it's on a different scale it's not um the same 40 hours a week that someone would work in an office right they're all on salary and and so and then, when you divide it by the actual number of hours they work, which is usually like 60 hours a week if you're a firefighter, then it comes out to like 10, 60 something an hour. Right, right. And so they are trying, they're trying to increase that base pay. And I, I don't see anything wrong with that at all because firefighters legitimately risk their lives, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's what it's all about is making sure we listen to those um, individuals that really need our help and they they know it's been time for a change um, the change has yet to occur and so now we have a responsibility to make sure we make the change happen mm -hmm. and so this next question can also probably be brought back to the budget okay at least partially um, Chattanooga has been hit very hard by COVID in the past few months and you know, hopefully the vaccine has, you know, that started to be rolled out. And so hopefully by the time the election takes place and by the time the new elected officials are in office, hopefully the disease itself won't be as big of an issue by that point. But there's still going to be a huge economic fallout. There's a lot of struggling small businesses. There's a lot of people struggling with, you know, making their rent, being evicted. Right. Uh, a lot of the eviction moratoriums are starting to run out. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm wondering, what is your plan to make sure that, you know, you as part of the city council, what can you do to mitigate the, the more economic effects of COVID-19 and, and help the city recover in that way? Um, well, yeah, like you said, it's going to kind of go back to the budget. Um, one thing about it is, you know, I would have to make sure that I am extremely 
careful and extremely cautious in reviewing the budget because we want to make sure we as a city are able to support our small businesses that actually need the help um we want to make sure that we do all that we can to help those not just small businesses but everyone in general in the city make sure that they have access to finding a job or finding ways to get income for them so that way they can start rebuilding um, their personal finances because everybody has been hit financially. I know a lot of people may not like to discuss it, um, but this pandemic has brought on some struggles for people health-wise and financially. And so we have a responsibility to make sure that we're um, giving out necessary resources to those, to those that need it. And so I would simply just make sure, you know, I'm keeping my eye open, hold, hosting job fairs maybe once a week or something, doing whatever I can within my realm of, of power, because I understand on city council, I only, I'm only one vote, right. but I'm an important vote, right? Um, but then I understand that there are some things that we cannot do there are some things that um some things that don't require city council and so i understand that so if i know that i'm gonna do what i can to find an alternative way to get things done so that in in a nutshell that's that's how i think um as of this moment because i can't really foresee the future so I have ideas about what I would like to do when I do take the seat for city council. But once I get there, it may be a completely, totally different situation. So right, it, I have to work with the other people that have won yeah. districts uh, one, two, three, et cetera. Yeah. You've got to work with everybody. Exactly. And so that's where I am just keeping an open mind about how we can best benefit, how we can best help, our constituents in the city. Right. Um, complete change of subject. Uh, Chattanooga has been making a name for itself as an outdoor destination. We've been named uh, the, the best city in the country for outdoors by Outdoor Magazine twice now in the past five years, I think. And, you know, a lot of people are coming here because of the climbing, because of the rafting, because of the hiking. I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts on this new reputation how are you going to factor the city's outdoor research sources into your legislative agenda? And, and how are you going to make sure that, you know, there's a lot of communities that have not historically been able to take advantage of these outdoor resources. And so, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Is that, uh, and how are you going to handle this new reputation that we have? Well, sometimes it's really not a good thing when your reputation precedes you because even though Chattanooga has been named the outdoor city and have has received this um, reputation about it being such a great outdoor city, a great place to retire and all of this. But at, in the very same breath for year 2018 and 2000 for year 2018, Chattanooga was um, in the top five of the worst run cities in the United States. 2019 it moved to number four so at the very same time you have the city that's so great it's so beautiful it's so outdoor savvy but then it's being run not so great so how can we take the greatness of the outdoor scenery that we have and utilize that in making sure we're running our city to the best of its potential mm -hmm. um do I believe there is a lot of opportunity for revenue growth in the city just based on the um, reputation we have for the outdoor usage? There should be some ways that we can look at it and say, hey, what can we do about this? If right. this park here is beautiful, let's figure out a way to, I don't know, host some sort of weekly something right and give opportunities for small businesses maybe food trucks come out one weekend 
um, supply food for this event this day. Or then the next week, you may have artists that come out that they're willing to paint pictures of you while you're there. Just finding ways to utilize that and build um, the revenue for the city as well as entrepreneurs here in, in the city as well. So that's just a, a little idea I have about that, you know, because learning, and that's one thing I've realized in since I've made my announcement to run, um, I am still learning how things work. <laughs> it is a forever process, and I consider myself to be a forever student. I'm always learning something, and I love to learn. And so in doing that, it makes this journey a little easier. And so the closer and closer I get, the more I learn, it's like, okay, now I see how this works. So let's see about thinking about implementing this if I do win the seat. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Um, moving on, a lot, of ish, a lot of residents that I've spoken to at least are worried about development uh, in terms of how we use our land some are worried about overdevelopment and that we're not stringent enough about water quality regulations. I know mm -hmm. steep slope requirements have been a hot topic for, I mean, they've been bouncing back and forth on that amendment for, for years now. Yeah. Um, and then some people are worried that increased regulations are making it harder to keep up with housing supply. You know, supply is falling to, behind demand and, and prices are going up. And, and the city council is particularly influential in this respect because you know, the city council controls zoning, you know, every piece of property, the city council says what you can and can't do on that piece of property. And so what are your thoughts on development? How do you see yourself guiding and improving the development in the city? Yeah. Um, development has impacted um, more, more districts. Let me rephrase that. Uh, development has impacted certain districts and not so much as other districts. Mm -hmm. um, they develop things in certain districts to bring more money to that area based upon whatever's being developed. But then we look at other districts, the more urban districts, we don't see any development at all. And um, I feel as though if we redirected that, then that would make this, that would start to um, change how the city is in regards to economic growth, affordable housing, um, adequate jobs, all of those things. Um, if they just stop focusing on certain areas and focus on the city as a whole, I believe, um, there could be a lot of equity in that. Um, we see, we do see overdevelopment in certain areas. We do see congested, congested development in certain areas. And then, depending on what's being developed, whether it be a apartment complex or um, multi-family homes, all within three to four blocks of each other, but then they're being rent out for $1,700 a month, mm -hmm. who is that gonna benefit, right? Um, that's, that's very expensive for uh, this city. When the average, yeah. uh, I wanna say the average income for the city is $32,000, if that I'm not right. mistaken. It's somewhere between 32 and $37,000. That's just the average. Um, right income for this city so how can a person that's making thirty thousand dollars a year afford an apartment that's seventeen hundred dollars a month mm -hmm. that's a little um a little steep you know and so uh development in that manner should be um should be able to address these issues in one turn in one go in one sitting so if i'm gonna develop something i want to make sure that the quality of the developed of the building is going to be up to standard up to code everything is nice um the rent or if it's a business the lease all of these things what area is it going to be in who is it going to benefit is it going to be 
um, jobs or are they going to be homes? All of these things come into play with that in regards to development. And I wholeheartedly believe that if we took the time to be a little bit more uh, interested in what these developers are, since are honestly wanting when they come to Chattanooga to develop something, are you willing? Are you wanting to just make money, or are you here to actually help make change? And there's a difference in that. Um, but yeah, in certain parts of the city, there is overdevelopment. I completely stand by that 100%. Um, and I do believe that there should be a way that we go around, go around that, and find ways to. Um, to make it equitable in the districts that are not seeing the, the redevelopment. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Somewhat related to that is, is the issue of gentrification. Um, a lot of people see the two as intrinsically linked. Uh, there's definitely a lot of links between development and gentrification. Absolutely. We're seeing a, a big influx. You, you kind of touched on this in your answer just now. Uh, a big influx of out-of-state investors, people from New York, California, coming in, buying properties, renting them out for, you know, pretty high rates for this market. You know, they may be low nationally, but they're pretty high for Chattanooga. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we're building a lot of unaffordable housing. And then on top of that, public housing and Section 8 vouchers are lagging far behind demand. What what ideas do you have to, to implement through city council to increase infor affordable housing in the city and not just affordable housing, you know, through public works like public housing in section eight, but through, you know, just market rate housing, making sure gentrification is kept under control and, and things like that. Of course. Um, well, for one, I know city council had kind of put a halt, on approving any zones for any vacation rentals like Airbnbs. They did that um, back in August, September, somewhere around in there. Um, and I actually wholeheartedly agree with that. I do wish they would have done it a little sooner because we do see that people live across state lines or across city lines and they come and purchase homes here in this city and then like you stated, they redo it and they sell it or rent it out for triple, sometimes quadruple the rate for this area. Um, <clears throat> for me, if, if and when I do win the seat of District 5, one thing really important to me is making sure that if an individual comes to council wanting to purchase this and rezone it and make it a vacation rental, well, do you live in the city limits? Um, do you participate in our community? Like, are you a part of our community? Right, right. Live here, do you pay taxes here? If not, then I'm sorry, I'm not gonna be willing to approve this for you because I don't want people coming into our city, making money off from our city and then putting that money that they make into another city. Mm -hmm. That's unfair because it's in our city. So for any individual or even a property management company, they have to have a direct tie to the city. They have to at least live in the city for me at least, for an individual, I would say two months, three months tops. Um, but for a property management company, they have to be in business in the city for at least three to six months because we wanna know that you're not just coming to us asking us to um, allow you this opportunity just so that way you can go back to your home across state lines and and do whatever you you know do as you please mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we're putting equity back into our community and so if people are utilizing our homes and our, our properties and our lands but the money is not being funneled back into the city that's a lose-lose for the city you know um but as well as making sure and before i move forward gonna backtrack and talk about that for a little bit more um but something in that regard could even be utilized as we were talking earlier about in, um 
putting trades back into schools, maybe, you know, we could start a program and this one could be an after school program. It just depends, but maybe we could, um, make an after school program for children who would be willing to, or who are interested to be in, involved with real estate. Mm -hmm. So let, let's teach you how to get involved with real estate. And then, you know, we can help you and learn you everything you need to know in regards to what real estate entails. And then you can start a, um, that child can start a property management company and then they can in return, you take houses, fix them up, build them up. And we know for a fact that it's here in the city. And right, that, they're invested in the community. Yeah. yeah, it gives our young people an opportunity to, you know, start their own business or just be, you know, putting money back into our city. And then once they do that, we see that it'll then funnel back into the city. And then that's just how we build equity and build the economy here in, in the city of Chattanooga. So mm -hmm. that's um, the idea that I was talking to my team about a couple of days ago is seeing how we could do that. Right. You know, we want to make sure that we're doing things decently, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but um, I feel like I, I lost the last part of the question. <laughs> no, you got it. I mean, Repeat. That, that answers my question. <laughs> it does. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, so transportation is another related issue, kind of land use issue. Uh, there's, you know, some people are, are of the opinion that, you know, we're an outdoor oriented city supposedly, and that we should be putting more focus on building infrastructure for cycling and walking and things like that. Others think that the current efforts in that direction are, are a waste of money. Um, everyone seems to agree that our transit system is, is really deficient. Um, I know just here in district five, I mean, I, I live in the district and I drive up and down Brainerd road and I see people you know, they ride, they're riding their bikes on the sidewalk because the bike lane is just not safe. And then they're having to walk miles between bus stops and things like that. So it's, it's something that affects our district for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm just wondering, what are your plans to address transportation infrastructure? Uh, well, transportation is something that has always been a, um, a topic of discussion in regards to CARTA as well as um, other modes of transportation, whether it be um, electric scooters or things of that nature. Cause I, I believe um, city council was talking about um, the scooters that they could possibly mm -hmm. input downtown. I can't remember what week that was and they were talking about that. Yeah, it was like a month or two ago, they were gonna expand the like bike sharing program to include scooters and decided not to. They decided not to, right. Um, but in that regard, we should be most certainly um, finding a way to, um, one, redo our streets. Because if we are going to have the option for individuals to ride their bikes, then there's no bike lane, then we need to look at the infrastructure of the roads that are here in District 5. And I'm saying District 5 because this is the district that I'm running for. And then two, um, the, <laughs> the streets in this district are extremely horrible. Um, there are so many potholes and there are yeah. so many, um, uh, the streets are just horrible. <laughs> Like it's ridiculously horrible. Sorry, I had to drink some water. My mouth. No worries. Yeah. Um, but making sure that we do what we can to get the streets redone, and then once we look into that, then we will be able to adequ adequately um, map out our bike lanes. Um, in regards to Carter. Uh, we should be willing to finding ways to making Carta a little more affordable for those who need it. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, I want to say it was back in August. Um, I had an interview with, I can't remember who it was, but they asked about Carta 
free for all. And at first I was like, yeah, let's make Carter free. Let's, let's do it. But then I went back and I actually started researching like what funded Carter. And so majority of the funds for Carter comes through bus fare. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to make Carter free for all because then there won't be a Carter. Right. I understand that we want to make sure everybody has, has access to it and make sure, you know, if we could give everybody everything for free, that would be awesome. But we, uh, I understand that there are things in life that, that do cost. So a way that we could utilize um, Carta and reduced bus fare is let's say we have the um, after school program that teaches children about getting into real estate. So if this, in, if this 17 year old says they wanna be a part of this after school program, once you're enrolled into this program, you would get a free bus pass from the program. But the program would then be responsible for taking care of those passes through mm -hmm. Carta, right? And so that still gives Carta that piece of income without taking it out of pocket of the child that's a part of the after school program. Mm -hmm. Same thing could go for the homeless or those that are coming home from prison. Um, involve them in a program to help rehabilitate them back into general society. And the program that we would host or be responsible for would take care of the bus fee for Carta, but then we would give those individuals that free pass so that way it wouldn't come out of their pockets. So um, transportation is a really big issue and transportation is something that we should be um, looking into for the city of Chattanooga as soon as possible. And those are just a couple ideas that I have in that regards. And, and you mentioned homelessness, that's another big issue and something you know, Chattanooga has always really struggled with mm -hmm. um, in terms of, you know, finding the right programs, getting people connected back and, and stabilized. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that and how you might help that issue? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there will always be um, homeless people, just like there will always be poor people. Um, so we have to do what we can to help them. And I, for one, am appreciative of the programs that are already implemented that are helping our homeless population here in the city. However, um, I, I personally don't believe it's, it's enough or it's doing the job. Mm. Um, for me, it's like, it seems as though they, they are, providing a service for the homeless population. But then once that service is provided, then that's it. Um, they don't go the extra mile with the homeless population. Um, and what I mean by that is, I feel like there are so many empty buildings and so many um, spaces that are available for the city of Chattanooga to build a a transition house for the homeless, mm -hmm. right? So we should be able to, if I have a homeless person that comes to um, the office to talk and say, hey, I really need some help. I don't have a job. I need to do something. So this program should be able to find this individual work. And once we find them work, then we'll be able to give them that free bus pass that we just talked about, mm -hmm. um, as well as providing them somewhere to stay for six months without them having to pay rent. So that way that could help them save money in order to get back on their feet. Mm -hmm. And then we would, you know, put them with maybe a financial coach or something to help them um, maintain and how to utilize their money. So that way when their term is up in the transition house, they'll be good to go and they'll be ready to get back into society. And so it would just continue to utilize that same, um, the program, that same program for all of the homeless people that want to be a part of it. And the same goes for inmates that would be coming home from prison or something that just needs right. rehabilitation back into society. 
Um, so that's what I mean by I feel like the city only provides a, a service and it's only one service. Um, either you can get some food from here or you can stay the night here. Um, you might can go this place and get a few clothes, but outside of that, we don't have anything else for you. And I feel like that needs to be changed. I do. I've got just one last question for you. I just want to make sure that we cover everything. Is there is there anything that we haven't talked about that you're particularly passionate about and really want to address to the voters before we go? Um, I do believe there are two things that I want that are really that I'm really passionate about. Um, one of them is uh, making sure that the um, the wage for our city workers are increased. Um, our city workers need to be making $15 or more an hour. Um, it's all about the fight for 15. I'm all for the fight for 15 because the last time the federal minimum wage was, was increased was in 2009 and it hasn't been increased since. Mm -hmm. And so had the increases continued to had they continued to be increased year by year at the same rate that they were, we would probably be at like sixteen dollars and seventy five cents something around in there so um it's beyond time for us to make sure that we're paying our city workers an adequate wage. Mm -hmm. um, our city workers do a lot. Our city workers work hard and they should be getting the pay that they deserve. Yeah. That is one thing. And the other thing, well, we talked about that affordable housing. Mm -hmm. We talked about that. Yeah. If you want to add anything real quick, just before we go, yeah. or if, if you think you said all you needed to say on that. <laughs> um, but one thing, one thing about affordable housing is we have to make sure that we um, are, we create a model that would best benefit Chattanooga mm -hmm. um, or best benefit District 5. Um, because for District 5, 7, wait, for District 5, 9, and 8, we have not seen a lot of affordable housing go up mm -hmm. as of recent um, within the past 10 years. And so, especially in District 5, out of all of the districts in the city of Chattanooga, District 5 has not had any affordable housing, um, new developments being built. Right. And so that is something that I am advocating for and something that I make sure that I work towards if and when I do win the election, because that's something that's needed. You know, um, you may have some people that don't want to purchase a home at the moment, but there are no other places for them to go. Is the, the, the houses that are here in district five, a lot of these houses were built over 30 and 40 years ago. And now a lot of them are being, are, are run down. Some of them cost entirely too much to bring up to up to standard, and a lot of people are just selling them. And this and this is the last thing that I I, I am passionate about, but I do want to talk about it because it ties into it. Um, like I stated earlier, District Five has um, about 50, 50, anywhere between fifty two and fifty five percent of baby boomers that live in the mm -hmm. district. So one thing that's really important to me is making sure we find a way to um, bring an assisted living facility to the district mm -hmm. because baby boomers are up in age. And if they have one of the houses that were built 30 and 40 years ago, they probably don't have money to get the house all the way fixed. So right. what are they gonna do? Maybe their children don't live in the city where are they going to live? It's the closest assisted living facility that's affordable is about 30 minutes away. Mm -hmm. And so 
we want to make sure we bring something to this district that will help those that are here. Right. Sure. If, if, you know, Mr. John that lives over on Midland Pike, if he wants to stay in this area, you know, he should have that option without having to live in a house that is bad for his health, you know? And so having an assisted living facility here in District 5 would not only allow those individuals the freedom to be able to do what they want, but it would also bring jobs and it would be equity in District 5. Mm -hmm. So that's that's it. Those are some Great. things that um, mean a lot to me and some things that I'm really looking forward to working towards if and when I do win the selection. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you, and I thank you for your time. Again, for everybody listening, this is Leanne Jones running for City Council District 5, and best of luck to you in March. And again, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. So um, thank you so much, Nathan. And for those of you that are listening, um, you, you can visit our website at www.electleannemjones.com. You can visit our Facebook page. Uh, Leanne M. Jones for Chattanooga City Council District 5. On Instagram, it's at Jones underscore 4D5. And that's it. That Great. is it. Again, thank you so much, Nathan. I really sincerely appreciated it, and I enjoyed this conversation. I did as well. Have a good night. You too. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chattanooga Civics. Our music was written and recorded by Kevin McLeod. If you have any questions or feedback, please send me an email at chattanoogacivics at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at chatcivics, or visit the website chattanoogacivics.com. Thanks for listening. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.